The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. At Frank Keen Volkswagen, we've got the complete range of fully electric, petrol, diesel and hybrid Volkswagen cars and we've got PCP finance from 0% on almost every Volkswagen model in the range. Whatever your needs, we've got you covered. Limited stock available. Visit frankkeenvolkswagen.ie for more information. Finance provided by way of higher purchase agreement from Volkswagen Financial Services Ireland. Subject to lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. See frankkeenvolkswagen.ie. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Point, Panel F1's very own podcast. In today's podcast we're going to be discussing the Russian Grand Prix, and uh, by we I mean myself and Nick Boulder, and uh, the Planet F1 editor, Michelle Foster. Um, so Michelle, it's fair to say that after two uh, ridiculous races, Sochi brought us back down to earth, didn't it? Yeah, unfortunately it did, you know. I think uh, I think we'd all hoped for a good race, but kind of expected the worst, and that's pretty much what we got. There wasn't a whole lot of excitement, um, except for Hamilton's penalty. I mean, that that gave us the drama, intrigue, and at least someone different to Hamilton on the top step. Really, that's the only place we can get started with, isn't it? Um, because it's really, that's why the rest of the race happened uh, the way it did. It's why Bottas won. Yeah, it was a pretty, pretty strange way for Hamilton to lose the race, really. You know, it was... Uh, no misdemeanors during the race or anything. It was for two practice starts uh, before the race in an unauthorized area. Um, I mean, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, one, do you think it was fair? And two, do you think Hamilton or Mercedes were to blame mainly? Um, I think the penalty was fair. The rules clearly lay out where drivers are allowed to practice starts and the other 19 got it right. Hamilton got it wrong. So penalty was deserved. Um, he was also given two penalty points on his license for, for well, one each for, for each of the two, two infringements. Um, and the stewards subsequently turned that into a fine for Mercedes, given that they were like, well, Mercedes told him 
that that's what he can do. But to me, the point of fact is that Hamilton's the one driving the car. It's his responsibility. Everybody else, the other 19 drivers, they all knew where they were supposed to practice their starts. He made the mistake. Uh, it, it should be his punishment to bear. Yes, I get why he's a bit annoyed by it. I mean, I've, I've been doing this for some 20 years, and I don't think I've ever heard of a driver getting a penalty for practicing a start in a spot where they're not supposed to. But maybe that's because the rest of them follow the rules in this case. Like you said, you know, you've never seen a penalty like that. It's because I get no no drivers seem to make that mistake and no team seem to let them make that mistake. You'd maybe understand if it is a rookie in his first season at a, a, a newish team. But I mean, when you've got Lewis Hamilton at Mercedes, the ultimate combination, you just... You never think that sort of thing's going to happen. I mean, how did it happen? Was it a case of Hamilton just not reading the rule book before the race? Hamilton subsequently came out and said that it's not in the rule book. And, I mean, I, I can't say, can't speak to that. I don't know Formula One's rule book backwards and forwards. But, like I said, everybody else knew where they were supposed to stop. Uh, Max Verstappen said that Red Bull had told him prior to going out where he's allowed to practice his starts. So the other teams all knew. The other drivers all knew. And uh, Hamilton got it wrong. Uh, in the, his radio messages with the team, you can hear him complaining about the fact that there's a lot of rubber on the track at, at that specific point. So he wanted to go a little bit further ahead. But Mercedes, they should have told him that, no, you can't. It's, it's the same for everybody. Everybody else had to deal with the rubber that was there. So he should have as well. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the, arguably a bigger issue uh, for Hamilton, it wasn't the fact that he got the penalty, it was how he reacted to it, you know. And we've seen it a lot before, you know, when something doesn't go his way, when, you know, when the tyres aren't working for him or when his team paid him too early or whatnot, he, he'll he complain, uh, he'll moan on the radio and it actually, it'll turn out to bring the best out, best out of him, you know, that kind of mentality of me against the world. Um, but that wasn't the case at all in Sochi, you know. I mean, the penalty was a total of 10 seconds and... On his best days this season, he's won races by a lot more than 10 seconds. So I still think if he was at his best, he could have recovered P2 from Verstappen at the very least. But, um, I mean, yeah, if, with the way he reacted, it just never, ever looked like he was going to recover from it. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the reaction wasn't great. It's um, a chink in his armour, maybe? Oh, it was a complete overreaction. I mean, the guy made a mistake. He made the mistake twice, apparently, and he got penalized for it. He should have held up his hand and said, my bad. I mean, Daniel Ricciardo, he also, he made a mistake. He ran off the track, didn't return as he was supposed to, got a five-second penalty. And his reaction to being told about the penalty was, okay, guys, I'll drive faster. Whereas Hamilton's was, well, kind of just to throw his toys out the cot a little bit, you know. But like you say, I mean, in previous races, we've seen where he's felt like, unjustly punished for something and he's just it's like you say it's brought out the best in him he's really risen to the challenge but on Sunday it just it didn't happen and I don't know if it's because just the punishments were so obscure that he just couldn't fathom it but at the same time you know you're you're a six-time world champion you're chasing your 91st Grand Prix win I mean suck it up and get on with it yeah I mean yeah exactly it did just it seemed like an unwelcome distraction to his driving, which it really shouldn't have been, to be honest. But, I mean, in all fairness to him, with the way he's driven this season, he can afford, one, he can afford a, an off day, and two, an off day still resulted in him finishing P3, which uh, 
yeah, it's not the end of the world by any means, given his uh, given his lead in the championship. His loss, though, was his teammate Valtteri Bottas's game. Yeah, Bottas ended up winning the race pretty comfortably in the end, largely thanks to the penalty. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do feel a bit bad for him. He seemed to have won a race and no one really seems to care. Everyone's just kind of brushing it off like, well, yeah, congrats Valtteri, but it's because Hamilton got a penalty. Is that the case? Yeah, very much the case. I think if Hamilton hadn't got that penalty, we would be talking about a very different result. But the point of fact is, Bottas won the race. He picked up the pieces when Hamilton dropped the ball. And yeah, that's his second win of the season in the bag. Um, is it one where he could turn around and give the middle finger to his critics? No, he won the race because Hamilton lost the race. It's an awful thing to say, but it is what it is. Bordas had a great afternoon. He didn't put a wheel wrong. He was very much in ascendancy over Max Verstappen. But you kind of feel like if Hamilton had been there in the mix, it would have been a very different story. Yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that thinks that... Um... He just gave that message on the radio, that kind of defiant, dramatic message to his critics there, because maybe he knows that he's not actually going to get a chance to do it again anytime soon. Um, because, yeah, yeah, I mean, like you say, he did everything he had to do. But um, the first stint before Hamilton served his penalty, Hamilton was he was fairly comfortably ahead. I mean, I, to be fair to Bottas, it, it didn't run a pull away too much. It was maybe um, two seconds or so by the time Hamilton came in, but... Yeah, it's it's hard to see but how Bottas would have won that race without Hamilton's penalty. But who knows, maybe we're wrong, maybe we would have, you know, it is a good track for him. I mean, how do you think he's going to react to this now, Bottas? Do you think this is going to really kickstart his season? I mean, I, I, I think a championship battle is certainly out of the question, but I, a late resurgence to get a few more wins at least and secure P2 from Verstappen? Uh, you know, it would be wonderful if we did get a late resurgence from Bottas, but it also would be wonderful if at the beginning of the year we got a title challenge from Bottas. And the same can be said for the year before, and the same can be said for the year before. You know, every time we we think for a moment that Bottas is going to rise, he maybe does for a race or two, and then I don't know if it's a mental block or what it is, but invariably it, it doesn't take long before Hamilton's once again the man back on top so I'm not I'm not expecting greatness to come from Bottas now yes P2 in the championship that's definitely on the cards but challenging Hamilton for the title that that ship sailed long ago yeah uh, yeah uh, history doesn't lie I don't think you know we've seen it all too many times before um yeah we get glimpses of this kind of defiant aggressive resurgent Bottas but it never seems to last too long, but at the end of the day, that's uh, that's why Mercedes have kept him once for so long, I guess. That was the fight at the front, and, you know, behind him, there's not too much to say about Max Verstappen. Um, he was sadly in a league of his own in P2, um, a lot better than everyone else, which just didn't have the car to fight Bottas. Which means I think the most interesting battle was probably the midfield one behind him. Uh, I think looking at the championship now, the most interesting battle definitely is... The fight for P3 between McLaren, Racing Point and Renault. Um, just starting off with Renault, and we've already mentioned Daniel Ricciardo. But, um, you know, Renault got P5 and P7. Uh, and Ricciardo made it, uh, that's four top six finishes in a row that he's had now. I mean, he's driving as well as ever, isn't he? I think Danny Rick's doing a fantastic job this season. Um, I'm actually quite surprised he hasn't yet got that first podium, but that just shows you kind of how the, the top two teams, Mercedes and Red Bull, are heads and shoulders ahead of everybody else. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Danny Rick is the man who finishes best of the rest in this year's championship. As I said, he's doing a great job. 
Everyone arrived on this year's grid assuming that Racing Point would have this one in the bag. Um, and Renault, Renault and McLaren, they're doing a good job taking the fight to them. I think there's something like seven points separating the three teams. It's absolutely crazy. I don't remember the last time we had such an intense fight for that, that best of the rest slot. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Ferrari dropping off has made it a bit less of an interesting fight at the top. But it's, you know, really cleared way for that P3 spot and it's made for... Yeah, the best midfield battle we've had in years, if you could even call it the midfield now, really. Um, although it wasn't as good for Ricardo's teammate, obviously Esteban Ocon got stuck behind Sebastian Vettel, having to let Ricardo through, and then ended up getting stuck behind Charles Leclerc after he came out ahead of him as well. It hasn't been the best year for him, um, and he's got Fernando Alonso sitting, getting in the seat alongside him next season. Do you expect him to start kicking on? Do you think it's maybe just a bit of a slow start because he had a year out of the sport? Or, you know, do you think this is just kind of his level compared to Ricardo? Yeah, I'm hoping for his sake that it's just a slow start from having a year out of the sport. I mean, the massive difference on Sunday was, like you said, Esteban Ocon was stuck behind the Ferrari. He couldn't find a way through. So Renault gave Danny Rick the, the go ahead to pass his teammate. Um, and I think it took Danny Rick a lap, maybe two laps, to pass the Ferrari that Ocon had been stuck behind. We all know Daniel Ricciardo is a fantastic racer and fantastic at passing. Um, and Esteban Ocon's going to be up against that as well next season with Fernando Alonso. So he really does need to raise his game. Otherwise, yeah, next year could be his last. Yeah, I mean, you sort of expected him to um, to make this team his own, at least for this season. You know, they've got a new young... French driver, uh, Ricardo's leaving, so it would you know, be logical to suggest Renault would start favouring Ocon, um, kind of in the way Ferrari have with Leclerc, and that ha- just hasn't happened, you know, Ocon just hasn't had the pace, um, and uh, in terms of, you know, how drivers have done this season, I'd say he's been one of the most disappointing, and he'd probably say that himself, really, and, I mean, both of them though, finished just behind Sergio Perez, and I mean, personally for me, he was my driver of the day, uh, you know, he finished in P4 and he was nowhere near any of the other midfield drivers behind him. You watch it, and like me personally, I can't help but just be a bit, a bit gutted that he. It doesn't look like he's going to have a top seat for next season. I mean, it's just, it seems a bit unfair, doesn't it? It does, but I have to be honest and say lately that this Perez situation is confusing me a bit. I mean, he he came out prior to this weekend and complained about the fact that racing points are hiding things from him. Um, and then sat down with the team and they spoke things out. And then the team kind of said, like, well, you know, it's a bit of a pity that he went to the media before coming to us. And yet Perez is the first person to complain when Racing Point go to the media instead of coming to him. Yeah. Um, doesn't feel he's been given enough credit in his departure for saving the team. Um, has re- has confirmed the, the stories that he did hear about his axing through Lawrence Stroll's whispers. Uh, but is upset that the team, that it was leaked to the media. Um, but yet, like I said, he went running to the media to say things are being hidden from me. So I think he's playing a really good political game in the media with them right now. But unfortunately, yeah, he's he's not going to be in a top a top team next season. It does look like Haas is the most likely most likely team to sign him. Unfortunately, we all know Haas are well. They're not doing very well, and Ferrari their Ferrari engines doing even worse. Yeah, I mean, Haas and Alfa Romeo seem to be Perez's two options, and um, neither of those are really a seat that, if I were him, I'd be too keen on. You know, I think uh, 
being a lead driver in IndyCar or Formula E would probably be a bit more exciting, especially considering, you know, he's had been in F1 so long. I feel like, I don't know, I can't really see why he'd want to go there, but who knows, who knows. I mean, I mean the whole thing is just uh, a reminder of how brutal F1 is, you know. We get it quite a lot, and that was another one, because, I mean, he's done so much for that team. And, uh, yeah, like you said, not only have they dumped him, but they've dumped him in the most kind of, unsanctimonious fashion really uh possible really but yeah i mean you know he's still putting in great performances and hopefully he does find a better seat you know i mean albon didn't have a good weekend maybe red bull will go for him i'd love that but can't see it happening really yeah we mentioned at the start of the podcast about sochi giving us i mean you know this was probably the best possible race that we could get at sochi in that it was a solid i don't know five or six out of ten <laughs> which compared to the last few years is uh, actually pretty good. Um, I mean, yeah, again, it didn't produce the best race. It's definitely not a favourite amongst the fans. You know, you just have to look at the Russian Grand Prix hashtag after each race on Twitter. And I mean, you know, after we've just had a race at Mugello, which was incredible, you just, it's hard to see why, why this track is still on the calendar, isn't it? Uh, the track's still on the calendar because it pays very well. And that's about the only reason why. I don't like this track. I don't think the drivers particularly like this track. I remember when, when Sochi arrived on the grid, um, they were kind of like, oh, it's going to have some great passing and some good lines. And people are going to be able to take different lines into corners and stuff. And yeah, it, that just hasn't happened. It's one of the most boring circuits on the calendar. And yep, I hope Russia finds a new venue. Yeah, I mean, well, there is talk, isn't there? You know, there's talk that they might move it to St. Petersburg. But yeah, I think no one's going to miss Sochi too much if it goes. Um, I mean, specifically, one thing that caused issues amongst the drivers as well, in particular, was um, Turn 2 this weekend, which, I mean, you know, when you see Roman Grosjean just smashing through the bollards when he's trying to follow the instructions about it, it all just seems a bit ridiculous, doesn't it? Um, You know, Carlos Sainz, he... uh, crashed his car out trying to fit through the bollards there um and after the race he said that he thinks the corner should just be scrapped entirely uh, that just was a bit of a, just ridiculous throughout the whole weekend wasn't it seeing drivers go out of their way to try and squeeze through no it was a bit ridiculous but the whole point is that if you go off the track you're supposed to lose ground um in Carlos Sainz's case he he literally kept kept his foot in and he just floored it and yeah that's not quite what you're supposed to do when you're squeezing between bollards and a wall. So that one's completely on him. But yeah, it's not a it's not a great corner. It's like I say, I mean, it's definitely one of those corners where running wide helps, you know, and can give you some fantastic speed. So that's why the FIA put in these track limits. But you know what? Put some gravel there or something. Don't put a wall. Yeah, gravel, grass even. I mean, the thing is, what well, I think the the craziest thing about it is just how tight that squeeze is between the bollards and the wall you know i think it'd be difficult enough to do it in a normal car at low speeds i mean asking drivers to do it you know when they're in the middle of a race with the adrenaline rushing at god knows how many miles per hour it's um it's a lot to ask really you know i'm I'm a big fan of grosjean's approach just smashing through them i mean you know he made an attempt so <laughs> He did. He made an attempt, so much so that the stewards didn't even penalise him for it. So, well done to him. Uh, maybe next year everyone else will adopt a similar approach. Yeah, there you go. It's the way to go. Um, I mean, I think we'll see quite a lot of virtual safety cars, considering they brought one out 
just to uh, repair, just to replace those ones alone. But um, that was the Russian Grand Prix. It was um, pretty much what we expected. Um, but hey, maybe I can't complain too much about it. I guess considering the two chaotic races we got beforehand. Another two week break now. God, it feels like suddenly the the calendars go in so slowly after we had that ridiculous run of nine races in eleven weeks. But yeah, another two-week gap, and then we're off to Germany, uh, the Nürburgring. And yeah, looking at races there in the last few weeks, the conditions are going to be going to be quite something. I mean, um, we're looking forward to that one, aren't we? We definitely are. I mean, winter's starting to arrive in Europe, and uh, yeah, Germany's probably going to get the brunt of it. So it should be an interesting race in that respect. Um, yeah, let's just hope that. Uh, Everyone comes out safely and potentially we have another mixed podium. I mean, wouldn't it be great to see like a racing point or a Renault on the top step? I'm still desperate to see Daniel Ricciardo on that top step again. I've been waiting so long. You know, and it'd be funny to see Cyril Abitable get a tattoo as well. Last time everyone went to Germany, it turned out pretty well. We got a mixed up podium in the end, so... Who knows? Maybe we'll get it again. Maybe we'll get it again. It's also going to be Lewis Hamilton's next attempt to uh, go even with Michael Schumacher on 91 wins. And it's going to be in the German's home country. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to look forward to for that race. Um, a lot more than what we got this, this weekend. So, everyone, thanks for listening. And, yeah, make sure you do come back in two weeks' time to hear us talking about the um, German Grand Prix. I mean, that's not the official name, but hey-ho, we're going to go with it. Um in the meantime, between the races, be sure to keep an eye on our social media accounts. Um, our Facebook is Planet F1 and our Twitter is Planet underscore F1. And also keep an eye on our website, planetf1.com, for all the news, features, whatever else happens in the world of Formula 1 in that time. Stay safe and see you soon. Bye. With the new Toyota Yaris, we wanted to create a car that was even more exciting, even more energetic, even more electric. Without ever needing to be plugged in. Challenge accepted. The self-charging hybrid electric Toyota Yaris, voted Car of the Year 2021. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota. Ask your dealer about flexible payment options today. Toyota, built for a better world. Podcast Network.